So today I have the absolute pleasure to talk to Rav from Punjabi Hit Squad. First of all, I have to just say thank you so much for making the time out to do this. Um, thank you. I've literally grown up listening to your music, so in a, in a weird sense, it's kind of surreal talking to the person behind all of those songs and, and those memories. <laughs> um, so yeah, first of all, obviously, thank you. Second of all, how are you this morning? Because I know, uh, like, as in it was a very last minute request to do this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's cool. I mean, we're just recovering um, after a weekend of, of gigs and radio shows. So, yeah, I think like usually the start of the week is kind of decompression and kind of just taking in exactly what's happened over the last week. And, it, and you know, for I think not only us, but a lot of DJs and a lot of people that's in the entertainment sector, you know, it's it's now really, really busy. You know, it's very full on. You know, you have to be smarter than you were before the pandemic and everything like that. So, yeah, you know, just kind of getting back into it and just kind of know realizing how good the weekend was really yeah i can well imagine has everything kind of gone back to normal then for you guys in terms of like pre-covid and post-covid i mean i wouldn't say gone back to normal i think that there is an element of um an element of still a little bit of fear that you know that i mean not only just because you know that you could possibly catch covid and all of that that is obviously you know a major thing there but also that you know when you you're having a good time and you know, you're seeing, um, you know, people come to clubs in ways that that can also stop very, very quickly, as we've realised in Australia, you know, like, we've got friends over there that do events and, you know, they've promoted hard events and all of a sudden, within a day, they've had to cancel everything. So, yeah, you know, we're still in very, very um, testing times. Nothing's gone away yet, but I think we're, you know, getting to used to um, kind of now um, adapting to the lifestyle that, that, is, that is taking place. No, completely understood. Um, so, obviously, let's start with you and yourself, because what I like to do with all my guests is find out a bit about how, essentially, like everyone in the diaspora, how we ended up where we are. Um, and a lot of the times, some of the kind of tales that I get told are just absolutely insane. Um, and again, kind of going back to what you were mentioning just before we started recording, I feel like a lot of those, in a sense, could be made into like little kind of short series of films because like those tales just unto themselves are, are incredible so if you don't mind me asking how did you and your family arrive in the uk what led you to coming here um and how was it for you guys i mean initially um my uh grandfather and grandmother on my dad's side um they were born in africa and then they, um, and my granddad passed away. So my grandmother and all my uncles and aunties came over to the UK in like the 60s. And, um, you know, they, they had to endure everything that came about being um, Punjabi, Sikh, um, turbans in a society that probably wasn't really ready for them. You know, that's, that's and also in London, you know, where, where majority of people started to, come over from you know the go to Heathrow and all these places so you know you, you'd end up somewhere around the area um so that was that um my uh nana and nani were um my nana was um born in um Lahore which is at the time Punjab um and um from there he moved over to Africa as well met my grandmother and then they came over here um you know again in the in the 60s for you know I think a, a new lease of life you know things had changed in the in the UK and um, they needed people from other parts of the world to come and rebuild and you know Sikhs and Punjabis and Asians as a general step forward you know for for various reasons. No definitely um so just uh, out of curiosity did your family go to Kenya in terms of working on the Africa in terms of working on the railways? Yeah. Or, okay yeah I thought so. Yeah 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 because yeah, my um in a similar situation, my dad's side of the family were from, obviously, originally India, then they went to Kenya to work on the railways, yeah. um, and then Idi Amin started kicking everyone out of Uganda in the 70s, and so they just left. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually think my granddad was kidnapped on the border between Kenya oh, and wow. Uganda. Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I, I remember my grandma telling me this. I don't often ask her because it brings up, like, my grandfather's no longer with us, and it often brings yeah. up um, kind of, like memories that I guess my grandma doesn't necessarily want to revisit. Um, but she yeah. says that he was involved, because he was a businessman, he was quite closely connected to the government in Kenya. And um, for some reason or another, he ended up getting kidnapped at the Ugandan-Kenyan border and somehow managed to end up in the UK. 
mm. rang my grandma and said, look, grab the kids and come to England, leave, leave everything. Um, yeah. It's not safe. Uh, and yeah, and so hence, here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's there's many, many stories of, of how Asians uh, uh, came to the UK. You know, a lot of it came from, um, from you know, post-war. Um, same thing, which, you know, in, in Africa, they needed railways building. So, you know, loads of Indians um, went from, um, and Pakistanis, Mongolians, everything went from from Asia to Africa. And then from there, they came over to here because the, the passage was was easier. And then when, um, you know, when uh, I mean started uh, kicking people out, you know, that kind of caused a lot of situations as well, which, you know, again, you know, a lot of the um, Gujarati community in Leicester, you speak to them you know they, they'll have stories about that and you know there's there's a lot of um there was a i think that it's very important to understand that um people were leaving their families their lives everything in a hope that there'll be something better over in the uk because they hear it's better and when they got here it was something different no no definitely just then coming back to mm -hmm. um kind of punjabi hit squad and and you guys how did you all meet and how like what like essentially what was the origin of you guys coming together because obviously for those who aren't aware punjabi hit squad i believe is a group of four people right um you being yeah, was a four was a yeah. four okay and it's now two. Four, yeah. and it's yeah, now two. two okay okay yeah. so can you explain then the evolution of punjabi hit squad from kind of day zero up to where you guys are today in terms of how you came together and then have changed over time well i'm gonna i'm gonna try to simplify as much as possible because <laughs> I think it's quite a long story. That's what it is. Um, but initially, what happened was is that um, we were DJs um, in the '90s. Um, we started off as a sound system called Asian DJ Culture, um, and played at all the events, Bombay Jungle, Limelight, everything that you can, everything that up to this day that people talk about as the good old days. We were a part of those good old days. Um, I was very, very young this time, so I had um, a friend who was called Raj. He, um, him, and D. Um, and Dee was a lot younger than Raj as well, but they all were DJing before I was, and I kind of joined later on when I was in school, and I could show that I was good at my job kind of thing. You know, it was kind of like a, I went from, like, the cleaner to, like, the supervisor to, like, trying to be manager quite quickly. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I Raj started it all off, and then, um, like, the late 90s, um, Raj decided that he wanted to... Um, not only do DJing, but start to produce music. You know, he was good friends with Punjabi MC, Sunil Kalyan, like loads of different producers. Um, then he hooked up with um, uh, uh, another couple of, uh, one of my other cousins as well, which is how kind of I got to know them as well. We all went to school together. So I'd hear about stories about Raj and Asian DJ culture. And I would see D because he's a couple of years older than me. And then, you know, like I know that. And then, um, I think it was like when I was probably like year 11 or 12, sorry, year 11, sorry. Um, you know, Rod was like, look, why don't you just got coming and doing a couple of gigs here and there and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of how I met Rod. Um, and then, um, and how I met D as well. Um, and then what ended up happening was, is that um, we started to go to club nights and I experienced this amazing club night that I had been listening to tapes of for years, which was Limelight, Hot and Spicy, which was at the time like the mecca of um of asian fusion with desi beats and kind of where it was born um and when i got there i met mark and you know mark being the the one of very few people that were white in punjabi music you know me and him got along really really well you know and and he was you know roger's really good friend as well and you know we all kind of just clicked that's that's just how it was um raj then in the late 90s decided he wanted to make an album he went over to india and he passed away so once he'd passed away, we had got like these vocals back from various people, Srinda Shinda and Kuldi Manak and all these different people. And we did an album called Life After Death. Um, you know, the, the album sold well, but it was kind of like a little bit of a, of a stop for us. It was like a natural kind of like, I don't think we can carry this on because Asian DJ culture was, you know, like a couple of, you know, quite a lot, few of us. And then all of a sudden the main person is not there with us. So, um, you know, we, we, we were still using the name, but, you know, we were kind of always looking for something different to kind of do and all the rest of it. And then one day, like, Mark, who, again, like, you know, was also still involved in the Asian music scene and doing things, he was like, look, guys, um, I want to do an album. If you guys are up for it, why don't we collaborate and do an album together? So then 
we initially started off doing an album called Asian DJ Culture and Marky Mark. So that's why when you hear our first album, you'll hear Asian DJ Culture and Marky Mark like about 50 million times in every single song. Like it could have actually been its own song. Um, and then, um, and then when we realized, like, as in we started to play the, our songs out, we realized quite quickly that it's very, very difficult to keep on saying Asian DJ Culture Marky Mark. And here we go. Da, da, da. So we're like, I think we need to consolidate our name somewhere along the line and kind of make just one thing. Whether, it, I mean, at the time we weren't even really thinking of like a brand. We were just thinking of like an album name. Like how do, how do we promote this? What do we say? And then I remember Rod saying to me, like before he passed away, that the album that he wanted to call when he released it was called Punjabi Hit Squad, which was a whole load of singers from Punjab get together and it's a squad. So it will be like Surinder Shinda, Guldeep Manik, Rindeep Mani, uh, you know, all these different people that were like absolutely amazing put together. So I was like, yo, why don't we just call ourselves Punjabi Hit Squad? And it was like, okay, cool. That, that sounds okay, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we all formed um and then uh yeah you know we just went on a on a on a musical journey um ammo uh wanted to do something different so he left um and mark obviously was quite heavily involved in bbc so you know he kind of wanted to do that so that was you know that that was that was where he kind of led but like dean i had always been connected with the music scene and um and punjabi hits which was our baby basically essentially so yeah we just carried it on you know and we just did different things with it that's amazing. Um, I actually, I, I like, yeah. And this is why I love having these conversations because I always feel like I know something and then I ask a question and I get an answer and I'm like, wow, okay, I never knew that. Um, do you then think in a sense that like the, the term Punjabi hit squad was almost like, like it was almost like, not like a blessing, but it was almost like passed to you guys as it was almost like, like without being cliche, it was almost meant to be in terms of how Raj had kind of, given you the name and then obviously the circumstances that followed do you kind of feel like that also kept him kept a part of him alive kind of in what you do yeah i mean it's it, the and i post this every single year um you know because I, I i like to remember my friend and and d also likes to remember his friend and so does mark um you know i i post this every year and, and i say that you know he's the reason why we are here because I'm pretty sure there could have been thousands of other names that we chose. And actually we went through some really, really bad names. And I think it's over lockdown, like we've kind of bought up old files and found bits of papers that we've written. And like, we had some terrible song name choices. Like, what, what can I say? Um, and again, you know, I think it's just because I remember this one conversation that we'd had and I was like, I think this should be it guys. You know, maybe this is our, maybe this is our Asian DJ culture was our um, training and now we've graduated from that and now we move on to the big league with Punjabi hit squad and you know um it kind of worked in so many different ways not only was it a cool name not only was it something that people gravitated to as well but also it kind of meant that we kept the person that we loved within music most alive you know yeah <clears throat> no I really really like that um this is just a question off the cuff really which is like what do you think is so so we're not like so when I was growing up in the 90s, I was like 10 or 12, kind of when Punjabi, like when your guys' music, Punjabi MC, yeah. um, the Cray Twins, all sorts of like British Punjabi uh, music was kind of, I wouldn't say mainstream, but it was very, yeah. very popular. Obviously, when Punjabi yeah. MC song went number one, that changed the like, that changed everything. Yeah. Um, and then you had Jay Sean's song with Richie Rich that got into the charts. And again, that changed the kind of the, the, the landscape. Now, what do you, like, what is it about Britain and British Asian culture that lends itself to this? Because we've only started to see it in say other countries like Canada more recently, I feel, but obviously you're a better place to, to, to correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, and I always, and I also feel like the British Asian music scene, although it may be over kind of, Recently, it's not necessarily as big or as popular as I think it was during like the nineties, early two thousands. Like, what is it that lend? Like, what is it that lends itself to that within the UK? Because, like, you named loads of people earlier, um, and a lot of them again have bases from the UK. So, like, like, what is it that lends itself to such a kind of uh, a powerful music? I mean, I think initially you've got to. 
there's there's many uh, many answers to the questions that you've got there so what you've got is you've got firstly you have um millions of asians within the uk and um that's the first thing so if you're looking at success that people have had within being on a on a major label um it's because that they have really been backed by their own culture you know um i don't think there is a song um apart from like the usual like Bangra Nights and all the rest of it that was kind of not produced by Asians, but you know, it was kind of like that. But if you think about the songs that are really, really, um, you know, transcend everything that we, we, we've done, um, Punjabi means Mundi Atabatike, by the time it even got to a chart position in 1998, when Punjabi MC released Legalized, it was massive. It was huge. It was huge within our own music scene. So by the time it got to, the point where non-Asians were listening to it, it was already big. It already had a following. Um, the Richie Rich Project, Jaggy D, Jay Sean, you know, again, same thing. We were coming through with our culture so well and, and, and so strongly that, you know, we didn't need anyone else. We just needed, we just needed brown people to buy the songs and brown people to support. And that's what it was. We had our own ecosystem in place. What happened was is that major labels had seen that and they were like, is there something that we're missing here? Um, and then they invest into that, which is why Punjabi MC then got, a, you know, a, a top five record because his song had then, uh, you know, Asians were not only buying it, and of course it is an absolute anthem and, and you know, everything about it is just amazing. But also now non-Asians are hearing this song because now it's getting played on Capital FM or, you know, so it opened up. And I think that that's just basically what it was. It was just the fact of that, Asians were really, really supporting this music and everyone now was being able to listen to it, not only on Asian music stations, Sunrise Radio or whatever it might be. They're listening to it now on Kiss 100. And again, Kiss 100 then sounded like what our club mic sounded like, which was you could hear Punjabi MC and then straight after you'd hear Sean Paul and then you'd hear two, three songs and then Jay Sean Juggy D would play. And that was a very, very interesting and proud moment, I think. And especially for the British Asian music scene, you know, we'd, we'd kind of cracked something. We were proving a point that our music was, was just, you know, was on part of what everyone else was doing, you know? No, definitely. Why then do you think, so again, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're far better placed to mm -hmm. understand the landscape than I am. But as in, like, so personally for me, I feel like since kind of the Punjabi MCs, your, you guys as well, because there was loads of songs that you guys had released mm -hmm. during that time, I think, uh, if I say Miss Scandalous, a lot of people listening will know who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but kind of since then, there hasn't really, I feel, been much from the British Asian music scene, realistically, especially from the UK. Um, like, is that me just being naive to the landscape or what has kind of happened over, say, the last 10, 15 years? I think that the internet happened. Um, that is the major thing. Um, if you think of success that we've had, RDB have had, it came through the internet, you know, like without a doubt, you know, if you speak to RDB, you'll know that Cully was on designing websites from day one. I think that's actually what he used to do as a, as a profession. So, you know, um, we use the internet very, very heavy. So I think with that, our music went across the world very, very quickly. Also, what ended up happening was um, other music started to come back very quickly, you know, which is, if you come up to speed now, it's probably the reason why we know about Sidhu Musiala. You know, you know about him and you know about the movement and everything because you've got the music via YouTube or whatever it might be. So I think the internet has played a, a, a great importance. Um, and I've, I think that that's, I've, I've kind of like gone off a little bit, but I think that that's probably that the, the biggest thing. I think that um, the reason why that maybe the Asian music scene doesn't, British Asian music scene doesn't exist as much. It's just because that there's so much now out there where before it was very, very homed in on Britain. You know, we've, we've had some amazing acts from here, but now, you know, it's more of a global thing. And I think some people think of it as a diss. I think of it looking like that for a long time, they thought that Bhangra music was only in two places, and that was in the UK and in India. It's not, it's everywhere. I can give you eyes in Singapore to do this. I can give you dancers in Russia. The dance of Bhangra music, like as if it's their own. 
I can give you people all across the world that are doing it. And that I think is, I think that's where people need to focus on that. Our music isn't small, it's big, it's huge. You know, why don't our artists cut through? I mean, there's a hundred million reasons why not, but you know, you need to, you need to understand that our music is on a global scale. And I think people need to start bigging that up a lot more than they do anything else. You know, again, as well, you, you've got to look at it that the landscape is changing, you know, yeah. not everyone is into just a Desi beat now. You know, you have Sudhu Musiala, who I think for the longest time now has, has his biggest songs have been on hip hop beats. Yeah. You know, if you take Sudhu Musiala off of So High, you can replace French Montana on there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so interchangeable. You know, so I think that everything now, you know, uh, the younger generation are now just not only into um, Desi music, they're into fusing it a lot more. They're into yeah. uh, rapping a lot more. There's a lot more. Also, you have to understand that music is art. It's in a form of expression. So, you know, you now have Jagar, let's just say, who is clearly a, a Sikh. You know, he's he's not even hiding it in one little bit. But if you say, if if you hear his records, okay, apart from the fact that he does speak Punjabi in them as well, but you know, you wouldn't know that. You know, uh, you it's the way that he's expressing it. He hasn't gone and said, listen, let me make a Pangra song for you. He's gone, no, I find a way of, of ex expressing my art form and I choose to rap, you know, and that's why I think that Jagar's important. Uh, you know, that's why I think Caps is important. That's why I think uh, Pac-Man's important. That's why I think that, you know, you go across the globe, you know, you get so many different people that, that fit that realm of things, you know, and I think, again, you know, people need to really embrace that, man. You know, it's, no. it's, it's great. No, I really appreciate that. Just then, it, this question kind of connects to what, what, you, what you've been saying. Um, so I'm sure you're aware of the, the group NSG, right? And like they recently released a song, Petit. Um, and like I could have their entire album and sing, like I could have their entire discography on repeat and like I've got no issue. And for me, what I find really captivating is they've blended like, so they're all from different countries in Africa. They all have different backgrounds and ancestries. They all fuse their different languages, music, culture, everything into their songs. So you will listen to their songs and they'll be rapping in English. They'll move to like uh, Patois. They'll move to whatever other languages they have. And it's completely and beautifully seamless. Now, it then sparked up an interest in me, which was why haven't we? Or, do, or perhaps when will we see a group similar to that from a South Asian descent? And again, I don't really like using the term South Asian because it's kind of a, it doesn't really mean anything. And it's not like, think about it whenever, whenever anyone asks you where you're from, you're never like, oh, I'm South Asian, right? Like no one ever says that. Um, okay, so firstly, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that there's really much, um, I don't think there's anyone out there being a group. That's the first thing. So I think that once you get people that are like-minded together and they need to come together and do something, I think that's when you can now have a starting point. I think what you have is you have individuals that are doing great things, but collectively there's not really anyone that's coming together and going, yeah, this is the kind of thing that we're fusing. This is what we're doing, how we're doing it, where it is. Um, so I think that's the first thing. I think, um, why it will happen i think it will i think that there will be a time where people will realize collaboration is better than sitting alone and not doing much i think you always need somebody along your side to kind of also sharpen steel so you know that's also a good thing and i think that major also i mean i was having the same conversation with with a friend the other day that um the asian music scene and and asian culture as a whole is kind of we have our own ecosystem we have our own tv channels we have hundreds of radio stations we have our own outlets our own stores where to put music um apart from itunes obviously you know and all the rest of it but everything is really there so when it comes to um if you're really talking about you know do you need a major label to back you or your whatever it is do you because really all that they're providing for you right now is money um and a route to have marketing. They're not providing you with a hit because the hit has to come from you. So the hit can come from anywhere, but really that's the only two things that they're providing. And I think that, um, that really people can do it themselves. 
And that's, I think, what's happened within the Afrobeats community and a lot of, even the UK uh, music scene, is that a lot of these people have created hits themselves and then gone on to um, sell their music or sell their brand to a major label, which then gives them the marketing power. So I think it's, it's on the horizon. I think it's just a matter of when, you know, when will the next B21 come about? you know, and, and so forth. And Jesse's probably going to kill me, but he knows that I love B21 because, you know, they, it's what you said, they, they were the NSG of the 90s. They were creating music. They had, you know, back then a major label, which was Movie Box, uh, not a major label in, 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 in mainstream term, but a major label within our own music scene. You know, they had everything there, you know. So I think it's just, a, I think it's just a collaboration thing, really, you know. It's going to happen. It just went. No, no. I, I really appreciate that answer because in my head I'm also like surely with the depth of kind of music knowledge and tradition and also just the sheer like the sheer passion for music within the like within the Asian community like you don't have to go far and most people have some type of heritage of music or there's something in the family always somewhere or music isn't kind of that far away from celebrations within the um within the Asian like community. So yeah, no, it's quite uh, positive to hear that you also think that it, it, it's on the horizon because I'm definitely- It is, I think, I think it's just, a, I think it's just a, a matter of time when somebody will wake up and go, let's get a collaboration going on. How do we do this? Afrobeat and NSG are a little bit different because at the moment, um, Afrobeat and anything that comes up over from, uh, from, the, uh, from Africa is, is popping at the moment and the thing is it's a vibe and i think that's where we had it in the early 2000s which was vibe completely i know that uh dr zeus has released this song we then come out with a song you know i think when in the space of like say three two three years you know we had um dr zeus is under the influence punjabi mc rdb um surrender and um us uh, hi hi um you you had all of these amazing um albums and music coming together because again it was because it was a time man it was everything was moving and that's what it is now happening with 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 music from 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 africa is that they see it and they're like you know what we can now capitalize on this let's make music but the music that's coming out is is great it's not even just substandard burner boy amazing whisk like if you think of these people that are just i'm and i'm talking about people that are at the top of the ch chain, they are just breaking down every single barrier you can ever imagine, you know? And I remember the Skepta said one thing that, on a song with Wizkid, that um, he said that, 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 that the, um, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but, but the, the images they show of Africa on TV is not what Africa is. So they want to see people on their face with flies and how you might have seen Africa early 80s or 90s or whatever, as being poverty and, and don't forget places are still like that but there is this music scene that's out there that is rich man and you can't you can't knock that and that is what it is in india and that's what it is in you know different places if you look at the uk you know it, we have that we have that as well you know maybe we just don't capitalize on it as much no no definitely um do you then think that like so with music coming from africa obviously it's being capitalized do you think that kind of back in the 2000s the it was almost like the healthy competition within the Asian music scene almost lent itself to pushing everyone to do better. So kind of one album comes out and everyone's like, all right, my go, next album comes out. And, yeah. it, and, and do you think that because kind of naturally with time and everyone kind of growing older, moving on into different things, do you think that that landscape, because it's obviously changed, has kind of lent itself to not being as strong as it used to be? Yeah, I mean, as you know, like if you're thinking about talking about the 2000s, we're not talking about two years ago. We're now talking up to 20 years ago. It's a long time. And a lot has happened since then. But, um, yeah, you know, I think those producers, and of course, some are still around. You know, if you think that Punjabi MC is still killing it, Dr. Zeus is still killing it. Like, these people are still around and they're still doing amazing things. So, you know, um, that's there. But again, what happens is that you're right. You know, some people move into different areas, do different things. And, you know, that's, that's natural. You know, not everyone is going to find their them being a millionaire just doing music you know you've got to you've got to do other great things so 
there's there's a lot there you know i think that now you just have a different generation of 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 people buying music as well you know um again you know in the same way that hira and a lot while are loved and they are absolute legends and what it is you know they might not you know translate their music as well to a 18 year old as i said the musiala you know and and again like i think you'd be you'd be silly to see jenny Singh all of a sudden start sporting a massive gold chain and to try going up on stage i mean he's not in that whatsoever jenny is an amazing guy you know he's realized that his his importance within Asian music culture is more than just music, you know, so he's doing things outside of music that are just amazing, you know, so yeah, there's, there's so much there, but you know, I think that there's different things Imran Khan, you have this opening up of, of, of Dutch um, artists that are coming through um, and again, yeah, you know, Pakistani, the rap scene throughout India is huge right about now you know, and I think that's not even really even opened up as much either at the moment everyone talks about you know, Gully Gang and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much rap that comes out of India that is just unheard of, you know, like, and it's and it's amazing, you know. I love this because I'm going to now go and, like, Google Indian rap and, like, dive into some of this and find out a bit more because it just sounds incredible. Um, this is just then a question that actually got sent in by someone. Um, and I guess it relates to what we've been discussing. But, like, what have your experience has been of in the music industry and like have you seen kind of opportunities change over time or like what has it been like because from the outside there's all sorts of rumors and ridiculousness that kind of is kind of said to go on within the music industry but for someone who's been in it for so long and someone who is obviously established in the game um like what have your experiences been like i mean i think that I think sometimes I think that we're just a little bit, if a door doesn't open, we kind of necessarily, we don't see it as being, either didn't open it because they were racist or they felt a way about it. I think that we're a little bit conditioned to be like, okay, if somebody doesn't want to mess around, let's go knock on another door. And um, while I think nowadays the newer generation are not having that, they want to know why that door ain't opening. And if it's not opening because of the color of your skin or because of what it might be, they're calling you out on that very very quickly and you know there's there is a um a plus side and a negative side to that and i think the plus side is obviously that we should be in in a day and age where if something like that sexism racism anything that's going on that if you feel that somebody else is is discriminating you should be able to call that out in a safe place in a safe environment um i think the negative point of that is that people will get scared and then opportunities go to the wrong person. So, you know, the last thing you really need is an opportunity, a great opportunity to go to a person that is not deserved, doesn't deserve that, but also not a great person. You know, if you just look at Love Island, you know, we have two, and I know it's, it's weird to come back to, to that. And, you know, I know it's hot topic to everything, but you know, you have, um, two British Asians on there and you know that sometimes you know people complain that they want representation representation represent people want representation and the representation they put into a household is it is two females who you know are just doing are, are just normal but then now you have a lot of people that are complaining about the representation so sometimes you can't pick and choose you know you need to understand that you know there is a place for it and if you feel that you don't deserve that don't push it there's you know, we, we we are everywhere, but there's no need for us to be everywhere, if that makes sense. You know, you can go across the whole globe. There are Asians everywhere that are doing things. And, you know, it's not necessarily that we need to be in every single space. What we do need to be is we need to be in the right spaces. Yeah. And I think that's, that is the kind of what I was going to make a point out about Love Island, which is like, so personally, I don't really care less, as in whoever wants to go and do whatever, like, go and do it, like, made it up your way on it like what am i gonna say yeah um but then on the flip side i feel like a lot of the time people are like oh we want representation but we don't want representation like that and it's like well what do you want and then it's kind of like are you just going to complain from the sidelines or are you going to go do something um so 
Yeah, I, and, and again, I think you're right, which is we don't need to be everywhere. We need to be in the correct places. And I think for me personally, especially with this podcast, which is it's trying to showcase our community without, yeah. without um, like putting like with like like skepticism like as in the south asian like so africa isn't just loads of places where you've got like malnourished kids and equally the south asian community isn't just a bunch of old women who worked in factories and can't talk english properly like as in we're so diverse and complex um and i feel like as we were discussing earlier which is like the black community you have such an established industry around music art culture you have commentary shows you have all sorts that just is around this and i just i like i don't see it anywhere within within our community within the brown community um and i feel like also just bridging not even bridging gaps but just kind of like having conversations like this with yourself like i could i can't imagine seek channel for argument's sake reaching out and be like oh let's have a discussion about punjabi music or, or whatever um and i also feel like so i had a podcast with uh indy bassi who's a boxer and yeah like when I was talking to him, because I, I grew up in the 90s, sing, turban, went to school. I think there was like two s turban wearing Sikhs in the whole school. You'd get bullied constantly. Um, and there were no Sikh role models besides obviously my dad and my brother, but like they don't, like they're their family. Um, oh. And then I was talking to Indy Bassi and I was like, do you feel like you're a bit of a role model then considering you're a Sikh, you're in a sport, you're in kind of a place of um, like limelight? And he was like, well, I don't really. But I guess now you said it, it makes sense. And I think that's just it, because when I was growing up, you go through this kind of identity issue, which is, well, I don't fit in with all these Gordia, but I also don't fit like I'm not I'm not from there, but I'm not from here kind of complex. And I feel like the more that we can showcase our community, have these type of discussions, especially for the younger generations to listen to. If one of them feels like, oh, yeah, I can like if he's if he's a DJ, I can be a DJ. If he's a boxer, I can be a boxer. If he's gone and done X, Y, and Z, I can definitely do it. And so I really appreciate like the honesty and just the conversation. Full stop. Because um, I really feel like people will, will definitely be able to take something from this. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, you know, like I think that you're right there. And Idi Bassi is amazing. You know, I've I've spoken to before, interviewed him last year on our show, and I think it's important that we now highlight those kind of people so i mean you know we're, we're doing we're doing this podcast in the middle of august uh you know we've just had the olympics and we've highlighted on our show um four olympians um harleen core um rajiv uh Usef, um uh, but we've had like a couple of people on that are british asians that necessarily you wouldn't hear about that are competing at a level and you know, we want it to be that so the next generation gets inspired so they can go to the Olympics because my family went to work, work in the national hockey team for um, for Africa, um, for Africa, sorry, for Kenya. So, you know, and I, and I take that with pride because I look at that and I go, you know, I, I'm a, an uncle of mine competed in the Olympics. He represented the nation at, at, at the highest level you can ever imagine. Now you have like Pauline Corps, who is now martial arts, you know, you, you know, you have loads of different, even let's take away Amir Khan of what he is now and maybe he's turned into a celebrity, but for British boxing, you know, of course you had people come before him, but, you know, as an Olympian, as a, as a fighter, he was amazing. And, you know, people forget that, that he represented not even his, 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 you know, like Pakistan or anything like that. He represented Britain. You know, this brown brother, and we have to start realizing that we have got people in the right place. But unless you highlight that they're there, the next generation are just going to go over it because social media and everything is now washing people. And, you know, that can mean that, that the right people, like I said, the right people don't get a look in and the wrong people do. You know, your role model turns very, very, um, turns from a good person to not such a great person very, very quickly. I think that's where you kind of have to, you know, kind of highlight and podcasts like this and conversations that I had with different people, you know, are very, very important. No, no, definitely, definitely. Um, just then coming back to kind of Punjabi hit squad and your career and everything. So for me, and I think for a lot of people who are of a similar age to myself, 
they will remember songs that you guys did with Miss Scandalous and Alicia and a few others. I think you also worked with Rahat uh, Fatih Ali Khan. So how did working... So from what I gather, uh, Miss Scandalous and Alicia were almost like artists that you guys had like... Uh, I guess trained or nurtured over time and then created yeah. songs with. Obviously, yeah. Rad Fati Ali Khan is more of a collaboration. So with the first two, like how did that come about? What like what goes on when you're working on something like that? Um, and then with Rad, how did that collaboration come together? Well, I mean, the uh, Alicia Miscandless, so Miscandless was a couple of years below me in school, and then um we did a song Hi Hi. Um, and then, you know, we, I just said to D one day, I said, we need a female MC of this. It'd be great if we got like a female on this. And again, you've got to understand that Punjabi music, maybe now it might be a little bit more different, but at the time there was a great ratio of like 95% male to like 5% female within the Asian music industry. It was so ridiculous, you know, and we kind of wanted to change that, you know, why not? You know, so when um, we found, we, we, we knew Miss Gandler, she used to work in um, a record shop in Southall. Dee went in there and she knows us anyway. So she was like, yo, I, I, I. firstly she said she writes, um, she does spoken word and she does poetry. She does that. That's actually where she comes from. And he was like, okay, cool. Do you rap? She goes, yeah, I rap, I rap it all. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, rap to me on the spot. D, we always say, this is what D always says. It's a famous line throughout 20, like, uh, uh, with, in the 2000s was yo go and do it on the spot so she started rapping he was like okay cool what are you doing after you finish work she's like i'm just gonna go home whatever he's like our studio is literally around the corner come by i've got a song for you to be on so she gets to the studio and i'm like yo, you like i've seen i haven't seen her in probably like maybe a couple of years so i was like yo what's going on catching up and all the rest of it and then she was like yeah let's hear the beat and then she heard the beat she did her raps and then like then she came back and did some more and then, yeah, then we'd like, you know, and I see, I see her being not only a star. I'm not interested in stars. I'm interested in people that represent the culture. So that's, that's what I'm interested in more than anything else. And that's what it was for her. You know, it wasn't about her selling millions and zillions of records about her being, it was about her representing the culture in the way that was then. Yeah. So you know, when she, when she made High High Man, it, it made her into a star man, and I'm I'm glad that she she got to experience that because she definitely deserved it. You know, um, Alicia in the same thing. You know, we needed a singer um, that that would sing Punjabi and and Hindi lyrics, and you know, wasn't wasn't very like typical Punjabi. So at the moment, you know, the Bhangra song and everything coming out. So yeah, then we kind of just switched the format and made an album with her that was a little less more all and Asian orientated and more hip hop and R&B orientated so yeah we we switched that up and and again you know we, we were we were happy with both things because you know they get spoken about it their songs get played and on top of that we you know promoted great voices you know so that's the main thing Riot was maybe a little bit different so we had the beat um going for a little bit of time we had a couple of singers on there beforehand um and then the opportunity came up that we could get Raj Fatih Khan in the song. And this is when Raj Fatih Khan wasn't well known. So, you know, oh, he, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we literally did the song. He sent back the vocals. They sounded amazing. They sounded like what we needed to. And then like literally, I think like a month later, I think like Derior um, uh, and Orepia and all those kind of songs came out. And then we were like, this guy's like an absolute megastar, man. Like what is going on here? Um, and then he just like, yeah, just kept on making hit after hit after hit after hit. And then um, I think by the time that we sorted out um, paperwork with him and everything, um, I think it was like near enough, like 2011. And then I think 2012, we ended up dropping Dilmira. Um, and then, yeah, man, it's, again, it's collaboration at the end of the day, you know, something like that, you know, still doesn't really happen that often. So, yeah, man. Oh, definitely. Um. This is again a question just off the cuff. Who is the most interesting person that you've either worked with or you've met during your time in the music industry? And why are they so interesting? It could be anything. It could be, I don't know. It just could be anything as ridiculous or as crazy as you want it to be. I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, 
you know, when we speak to different artists, I think we get to know them in a different light. You know, I think if you think of um, speaking to Raj Fadili Khan, you know, you get to hear his side of the story about his days with his uncle and touring on stage. And, you know, there's videos online that you can see that, um, that Nusrat Fadili Khan is teaching him on stage. They're at a live concert and this kid is five years old and he's making him do uh, sorghums and everything. And, you know, and it's crazy, you know, and you watch that and then you ask him about that. And for him, it's just like, yeah, it was just another day at the office, really. But for us, it's like you're looking at the, the master giving the student the, 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 the keys, the, the knowledge, you know, like, so I think conversations like that, I think a lot of the conversations have been taking place outside of our culture as well. So, um, you know, like some of the artists that we've worked with um, in the past, um, uh, Nathan, who would people remember from like the early 2000s from coming to my room, he was a really good, you know, we spoke to him a lot about life and things like that. And Sway, um, again, same thing, like we, you know, speak to him. Fateh from, uh, uh, from the USA, Canada, Stroke Canada. You know, we went out with him and grabbed some food once. And, you know, we. I think the thing is, everyone's interesting because they come from different places. So my upbringing in Southall um, is going to be different to say Fateh's upbringing because he might not be, he, he might not be closely related to Asian culture as probably we are. I mean, I, being in Southall, you can step outside your door and the culture is there completely in your face, you know, where other people might have to travel for that. So I think there's just, there's so many different conversations, you know, that, that can take place and, and, and be, you know, I respect everyone that is in this. No, no, definitely. Two last questions. And so the first one is obviously talking about popular culture. Like what was it like being signed by Def Jam? And what was it like working with some of these mainstream kind of pop culture artists like Mariah Carey? I mean, again, like, so being signed to Def Jam, amazing. It's probably like if you're a hip hop fan and you are um, within um, black culture, if you're a fan of anything that's got to do with music, you know that Def Jam is probably the most pivotal uh, record label throughout the world. And to now get signed to that was like an absolute amazing dream. Not even come true. We, we were just not even like we're signed to Def Jam. We're just like, what the hell is happening? Did you guys always plan, like, was your guys' objective to always get signed by a big label like Def Jam? Or was it just something no. that happened and you guys were like, wow? Well, I mean, so the main focus of Punjabi Hits was, was that we needed to get our music, whether it be from us or from the, the, from the music scene, and give it to cultures that don't necessarily hear it. So... You know, when we first started, we were doing collaborations with Selfridges and Nike and all these different people, you know, to kind of make sure that our music was heard, not only heard in like an Indian restaurant, but I'm talking about heard in in the correct way. That's why we always try to deliver the music to whoever it is we play it to, whether it be on radio, whether it be at a wedding, whether it be in a club. We like to deliver it in a way that they get it. That is probably the reason that we have had success is because we're good at doing that. You know, so that's the that's the first initial thing. We wanted to make sure our music was heard. Once our music started get, getting heard, people started becoming curious. And this is what happened with Def Jam, uh, which was they were like, okay, cool. We've heard the Punjabi MC song and everyone's twisting light bulbs right now and all the rest of it. What else do you have? Okay, cool. Now you can turn around and play them. Uh, Dr. Zeus's Ani Kuriye. Um, and I'm talking about Ani Kuriya over Kangana just because Kangana was more of an R&B record as opposed to like, you know, Ani Kuriya was like literally like a bullying kind of type of thing, right? Um, you play that and then, you know, we play them like high, high and, you know, you play them Pusradale by IDB and, you know, you get all of these songs and now they're looking at it, they're like, they're not investing into like just one record, they're investing into a scene. So that's why they, they signed us. They signed us on the fact that all right, guys, you know what? You guys can not only produce records, but you can definitely throw your music forward as well, which is why our album with Def Jam was a, a compilation first. Um, and then we had, like, all of our friends on there, Rag of Juggy D, Jay Sean, uh, everyone you can imagine, Skills Inc. Everyone was on there. And, you know, that was, like, the, the introduction of, of us to everyone. And then with that, 
you know, came along uh, Fat Man Scoop, who was like, yeah, man, like, I messed around with this Punjabi stuff, man, like, definitely, you know, um, Mariah Carey, again, like, same thing, like, see, the thing is about the Mariah Carey records, Ashanti and all the rest of it, was that they're more spec mixes, so the way that the, the Mariah thing came out a little bit differently, so we did the song with Mariah, um, and usually with the mixes, you don't interact with the artist at all, you just do your bit and send it in, and that's all it was. At the same time, because that was going through Def Jam, we're in the Def Jam office, kind of always trying to be up there and get things. And I think at the time we were trying to get like Jay-Z tickets or something like that. We'd, we'd get there and um, like we walk into a meeting and Mariah Carey's on the phone and they're talking about our song and they were like, shh, Mariah's on the phone. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I really like um, this car. I need you just to like maybe turn up the sitars a little bit. And then, yeah, that's a go as well. And we were like, what she's actually talking about like she literally signs off her own spec mixes so you know again like it's things like that that are, that are amazing Ashanti's the same and you know i think what i think what people understand is that it doesn't matter what caliber of artist it is as long as you're professional what you're you do and you're passionate other artists respect that completely you know so yeah man it's, it was an amazing experience being signed to that and an amazing time as well that's mad. That is mad. So I don't. This isn't really a question. This is more kind of uh, like me taking my proverbial cap off, really. Which is like, so do you guys realize, or do you guys ever sit down and talk amongst yourselves and actually kind of take in the fact that you've had such a lasting impact on popular culture, and especially South Asian, British Asian, whatever you want to label it, culture? Because like I could sit here and we've spoken about so many of your songs going back from like the late 90s, early 2000s, all the way up until now, um, I was like 10, maybe, and my older yeah. brother would be driving. He'd had, he, I think he just got his license, so he wasn't sure yeah. on my mom's car, which was a... <laughs> which was that a Saab. Yeah, yeah, which was a Saab. Uh, yeah. uh, it was so bad, like, you could hear the engine from around the corner. Um, yeah. And and whenever we'd go anywhere, we'd have a CD in the in the radio, and it'd have a mixture yeah. of Punjabi Hit Squad, Punjabi MC, all of yeah. these songs that we've, we've we've discussed. So, like, do do you ever take it in, or are you guys just kind of in it? So you just like you don't quite realize, and you just kind of for you guys, it's just getting up in the morning and going to work. I mean, I think yeah, you're right. Like, as in, I think now it's it is a little bit you kind of don't realize it as much. I think now that people are speaking a lot more about you know an impact that we might have had on their on their lives i think is is beautiful i'm glad that we've touched people in that kind of way you know and i'm happy about it. we don't like i said we don't really it doesn't go to our heads that we we do that i think the thing is that there's still work to be done you know it's like the day hasn't finished just yet so that we can have a beer at the end of it there's still so much more that needs to be done and you know like it's the same thing like if you think of that you know we're we're pushing the culture and it's got to where it is now but it can still do a lot more and a lot better you know so we're you know i'm you know we're happy that something like young sing and daytimers have a great event you know i don't want to be a part of the a part of what they're doing i want to see it because i'm going to feel it experience it you know i don't want to jump on somebody else's wave because that's their wave. they they haven't and all of the crew that are, that, that are there with them I'm happy to support them, but they haven't come through being like, yeah, man, like Punjabi, Punjabi, they developed their own wave in the same way that we developed our own wave, you know, and I think that people need to just like respect the grind that they're putting in right now. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need to claim their fame, if that makes sense. They're doing it their way, you know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that like, um, I'm glad they've come forward. I'm glad that Young Sing's come forward and, either like Gracie Teach and then all these people are together now doing something that they love and they're pushing themselves that and, and they're going to make it you know and I'm glad that like we can highlight that you know so even if I, I had Gracie T on the other day for a mix and you know things like that I love it man like that's exactly what we're happy about you know and again same thing you know the day's not done for us yet you know we still have to we have to help them get to where they're going and then the generation that comes after that, you know, and so forth and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that there are conversations taking place where people can respect that we have put in a graft into all of this. Um, but in no way is it like, yeah, man, I made it, you know, next time people see me, they need to buy me a drink or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will literally 
buy my own drinks. Uh, you can buy me a drink if you want, but also you'll see me at your local samosa shop buying samosa with you, chatting to you. Like we're just we're 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 the thing is about the culture. You should never ever leave it. Doesn't matter what state it's in. You know that should always be what it is you're about. You know with us. We've had the opportunity to turn around and change our name from Punjabi Hit Squad. Do you understand how hard it is for, and I'm talking just hard for other people as well, but for hard to be Punjabi Hit Squad, to have your album out um, a week after 9-11, right? I'm talking about entertainment because I know it's hard for different people for different reasons. But, man, we were getting outdoors slammed in our faces as well. Like, yeah, no, 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 you guys are like, anything got to do like even when we had to trademark Punjabi we had to go there Mark had to sit there and create a spreadsheet about what are what are the Taliban and what are Punjabis and he had this whole thing about that so when it comes to it that's why I'll never ever abandon my name yeah people can call us whatever they want to call us people call us hit squad or whatever it might be blah 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 but the Punjabi hit squad name remains and it remains strong and that's the reason why that we do what we do we'll I will turn up at any event i'll turn up to a festival and say my name with pride i'll turn up to your local birthday party and say my name with pride it is all the same thing so unless you're pushing the culture this doesn't mean anything at all man well just before i get to the actual last question i think one thing that i could definitely vouch for is is just the humility and the respect that you kind of bring i've only like this is the first face-to-face conversation we've had but even just the interactions over twitter or even when you joined the space the other day and we were just talking about food, like everyone was amazed that you had joined because to them it's like, oh my God, Punjabi hit squad. But I think that goes to show in a nutshell just what you guys are about because like you joined. There was no there was no issue, no qualms, no like, oh, you got to talk to me like this or say that or whatever. It was, hey, you guys seem to be having a good to laugh. Let's join in. All right, let's. And, and it was brilliant. Everyone came out of that space going, I can't believe Punjabi Hit Squad joined. It was so fun, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. So I, I can definitely vouch for that. Just off the back of that then, so obviously you must have heard all of the bad food tapes we had in that space, like Makidi Rutti belongs in the bin, or Keith isn't a very nice dessert or whatever, right? Now, I like to end with asking the guest, especially like recently, what is your... You can either give me a bad food take or a good food take, but what is your kind of bad or good Punjabi food take? Uh, I mean, I was going to say saga maki roti is a good food take, but clearly, I think I'm going to get I'm going to get cancelled, which was the word that everyone was using the other day. It's hilarious because to think that you'd get cancelled for eating food like I understand that uh, one little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, if you're looking at food heaven and food hell. Uh, food heaven for, for me is going to be, um, do you know what? I like a good kebab, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, if I was, uh, like, yeah, just, you know, shine on kebab in Sassel is, like, the favourite. And that's just where I love. And I think it also, you know, when it used to be on the bridge, um, I used to love it because it, it was like a party spot at the same time. You know, like, you, you'd meet the, the people that you're with and, you know, the people that you play out to and that you know and all that kind of stuff so that's that's food heaven food hell man um again like i mean yellow doll is just like the the worst i mean like i i mean you know not to just pick up one restaurant because there are many many restaurants that sell great bags, but like shine uncle barbie it's also like a, an icon within southall you know um it's had it's got great history you know it's been there since like the late 60s 70s so, you know, and in one spot serving, you know, very, very few dishes. And you can think, well, you know, they, they can't. But also, like, I remember, like, um, I became vegetarian for a couple of years. And, um, again, not being able to eat Shinong was, like, the worst thing I could ever think of. Like, I was like, why? You know, especially late studio night sessions, you'd want to go get something to eat. You know, it'd be one. And I went there and I spoke to the guy and I was like, yo, I can make me something that I can have the vegetarian. And he did the simplest of things. He literally gave me a naan with salad and put loads of chutney on the front. And he said, eat that. And I ate it. And it was like the most amazing thing in the world. I was like, you know what? This is, this is, and that was like, at least I didn't have to like go away from too much shine on it the way it is. But yeah, like, you know, that's my food heaven, food hell, man. Like, no. that's what it is. 
No, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. All right, just to check then, um, I've gone through all the questions that I wanted to ask you. I just want to check, is there anything that you wanted to add in or include no. or anything? Cool, brilliant. No, no, cool, yeah. absolutely fine. Now, I, all I can say, obviously, to wrap up is just thank you so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I've really enjoyed the fact that you've been just so open and honest about it as well. Um, definitely appreciate that. Um, otherwise than that, I will leave you to the rest of your day. I, I genuinely can't say thank you enough. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and yeah, I, I'll leave you to it. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you. For no so problem, much. man. Yeah, speak soon, man. Take care. Take care. Take care. Right, bye bye. Bye bye.